A cordial first gubernatorial debate and a presidential visit. Welcome to Grand Divisions. This is October 3rd, a special edition of the podcast, uh, post-debate and post-Trump visit. I'm Joel Ebert. I'm Natalie Allison. We're going to just dive right in and talk about, uh, you know, our main impressions from the debate in Memphis last night between Dean and Lee. Uh, A lot of the uh, focus that we've had recently on this podcast has, of course, been on the Senate race. But um, this week really allowed us to kind of delve more into the the governor's race. Natalie, what did you think were kind of the standing out points for, for both candidates? Well, my inbox told me, I think it was the, the state GOP that Bill Lee was the quote clear winner immediately. Last night. I don't after think I got debate. anything from the Democrats about that. Did you? Uh, no, but that's not too surprising given that the state Democrats have focused more on Phil Bredesen. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so it was their first debate, uh, long awaited. You know, there's been lots of discussion, especially from the Dean camp. These two guys need to get on stage and face each other. They need to talk about the issues. Lots of criticism about Bill Lee not showing up at other forums previously. So this is something that people have been waiting for, uh, a chance to hear both of them talk. And they did. And there were stark differences in in what they called for. Um, It seemed like Dean went in a little bit more detail about his plans and his, his policies than Bill Lee did. I think specifically on on Medicaid expansion, he says that, you know, this is one of the biggest issues that uh, he's facing or he believes this state is facing that they need to immediately rectify, says the the General Assembly really dropped the ball on this. Uh, Lee, on the other hand, basically says we can't throw money at a broken system um, while not necessarily having uh, too many specifics on how to address the uninsured population. Yeah, he he said, I think he said it was fundamentally flawed, the system is, and, and we we shouldn't expand a system that's fundamentally flawed. He also said he he thought every Tennessean did deserve access to affordable and quality health care, but we didn't hear a solution from him on how he would go about doing so that. So after the debate, we pressed him a little bit more on that. And, you know, we asked, how would you, what would you do? And he essentially talked about the importance of telemedicine. He talked about, um, uh, I, I forget the actual term, but where uh, your chart sheet, your, your information as a patient goes from, um, you know, different uh, offices. So from your physician's office to the hospital, et cetera. He also also talked about um, uh, the idea of just, again, uh, incentivizing lower cost care. Uh, you know, I think the problem with that is how are you as one governor uh, out of 50, you know, going to really change that? Because he didn't just say we need to change the system fundamentally in Tennessee. He said nationwide. Um, so I, I guess, again, the question is, how does he lead uh, this issue? And how does that help Tennessee out right now when there are estimates between 200 and 300,000 Tennesseans without affordable health care. Yeah. And Carl Dean, he's, he's said the same thing over and over, expand Medicaid, but Bill Lee, there's still some uncertainty about what exactly he would do as governor. Uh, so hopefully we will find that out. There were some similarities. Obviously, they both uh, seemingly supported things like, um, you know, additional uh, money for, for teacher uh, pay. Uh, they both support, um, uh, you know, maybe not universal pre-K, but at least funding um, uh, education at an early age. Carl Dean came out and said, we do need to have 
universal pre-K. Bill Lee said essentially we need to make sure that's working before we expand it broadly. And One, he said he said nonprofits should step up, right, which he has said throughout his campaign about everything from the opioid crisis to education to healthcare. One thing that that Dean tried to use was this this quick jab into uh, Lee about his support for vouchers, uh, which was not altogether uh, too surprising, right? No, I mean, that's something that Dean has said all along, that he he does not support vouchers. He thinks that is a misuse of public money when you can't ensure the quality of education. And Lee has said he thinks it's important for parents to be able to choose where their children go to school. So that's something that they've fundamentally disagreed on for the whole the whole campaign here. That was the only time where uh, Carl Dean mentioned his opponent's name. I thought there would be more of those subtle jabs or differences. I mean, even while he's talking about his uh, support for Medicaid expansion, he never once said, my opponent doesn't support that, right? Right. Um, I, I wonder if in the next two debates, of course, there's one next week, uh, actually two next week. There's one, uh, I believe, next Tuesday and next Friday. Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he presses uh, Leon on a couple of issues a little bit further than he did this week. Yeah, he really didn't take swings at, at Bill Lee. You know, it, it it was the kind of thing he probably could have done because it seemed like Dean was maybe answering questions a little bit more matter of fact than Bill Lee. It seemed like Bill Lee wasn't offering as uh, concrete solutions as Carl Dean was, and maybe that's something he could have pushed back on. Um, but we didn't really hear that from from Dean. Afterwards, in, in the press gaggle, Dean did say that he thought, uh, you know, uh, uh, Lee was speaking in more generalities on on Medicaid expansion or the issue of health care. Uh, so I anticipate, you know, uh, maybe things will get a little bit more interesting next week. But this was the first time that we really saw these two candidates in a head-to-head matchup. Uh, they largely stuck to the issues. They largely uh, remained tame and cordial. Um, uh, you know, afterwards, of course, it's a question of who won. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, in in my view, I don't know that there was a clear winner. Um, I talked to Eric Shelzig of the Tennessee Journal, uh, who said maybe the fact that Carl Dean didn't clearly win is actually a win for Lee uh, in the fact that Carl Dean is down in the polls. Do you what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think I I think they're they're It's hard for us to say who the clear winner is. What are we going to base that on? But I can say it seemed like Dean was more confident. Um, I expected Bill Lee to be a little bit more confident than he was. It seemed like he was less comfortable on stage and, you know, he, he isn't as experienced as a politician as Carl Dean is. And so this is, this is much newer for him than it is for Carl Dean. Uh, But just, you know, just stepping back and looking at how they responded to questions and, and, and how comfortable they seemed on stage, it did seem like Bill Lee was, was more uncomfortable. Well, and I, I think in their closing remarks, they really kind of just solidified their differences, right? You had Carl Dean getting up there talking about his personal political experience, um, you know, how that has really uh, affected him. He, he reeled off the, the three things you, you know, every politician does. They, they say, this is these are the important issues. And then Bill Lee kind of took a different approach. Completely sh- emotional appeal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he sat there and he, he said, uh, you know, I'm, I was humbled when a guy approached me and said he voted for me early. And then he talked a little bit about it personal experience. He highlighted briefly his personal tragedy, but it was definitely more of a, you know, uh, pull at your heartstrings. Yeah. And he mentioned you his faith. Yeah, it's, yeah. It was a much different approach than Carl Dean. And, and that's the, you know, the tone of both of their campaigns. And Carl that was Dean, the essence of their campaigns. Yeah, right Carl there. Dean isn't the folksy guy who drives a truck. He isn't, you know, every Tennessean where Billy in many ways is. And that was, that was evident in their closing remarks. 
Moving on from the first gubernatorial debate of the general election, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about the most recent Trump visit. Um, the president came out on Monday to uh, Johnson City, where our own Tyler Whetstone of the Knoxville News Sentinel was there. Uh, welcome to the show, Tyler. Hey, guys. Uh, Tyler, give us an idea. What were the what were kind of the main highlights of what the president's message was in Johnson City for this rally for Blackburn? Yeah, well, he came uh, certainly to, to campaign for Blackburn, to stump for Blackburn, to uh, boo the Democrats and the reporters and everyone else who was there. But uh, capacity crowd, it was a nutty night, and uh, really he didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about Blackburn. We can get to that in a minute. Um, spent a lot of time talking about Kavanaugh. Spent a lot of time talking about some possible 2020 opponents. Um, was a little bit everywhere, um, which I guess could be expected um, at a rally like that. But um, I came in thinking he would spend a good bit of time talking about Blackburn, as uh, Vice President Pence did in Knoxville a couple weeks ago when he visited. Uh, but he did not. Um, but you got the sense that the rally and the crowd didn't really care. They were just happy to be with uh, the president, and they ate it up. As, as I watched from a distance, the first half, I think he only mentioned Phil Bredesen one time. And then the second half of the speech, uh, he went into a series of, uh, you know, I guess criticisms, attacks against Phil Bredesen, uh, including for, you know, issues related to taxes when he was governor. Well, what did he say about, uh, you know, the former governor more generally? Um, that was basically it. Not a whole lot. Um he said he's, he's sure he's a nice guy, but he would be terrible for the state, would be terrible for the country. Really did a good job, I think, of, of linking uh, Bredesen to Chuck Schumer, which, of course, is the, the main complaint that Republicans are going to use over the next month or so. Um, talked a whole lot about what a, a Senate controlled by Democrats would mean for the country, who would be leading committees. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, a, a vote for Marsha, a vote for me, and... Marsha only said a couple of things, and what what what, what did she say when she got up? I think in the middle of his speech, wasn't it? Uh, for yeah, it a was couple an odd of minutes, placement. Correct. Yeah, she uh, lauded the president, lauded his what he's done for the country, um, talked about economics, and really uh, didn't say much at all. Just kind of got the crowd cheering and jeering, and uh, gave the mic back to the president. She spoke for maybe three minutes at, at tops, if that. I mean, it was a, a really quick conversation, <laughs> a really quick speech by uh, the congresswoman. So, um, yeah. Well, well Natalie, I, I mean, this is not surprising that the president has come in for yet another uh, rally for, for somebody that he sees as a, a, a crucial component to having the Republicans retain uh, the majority Certainly. in the Senate. You know, is, does this energize the base? Does this get enough support for people that, you know, may have been skeptical of Marsha Blackburn uh, on board now? Well, it certainly doesn't hurt anything, right? I mean, there, you guys, Tyler, I, I don't know whose story it was, but you quoted, you quoted all sorts of people who were outside and one person was saying, you know, this is better than a Vols game. And she was bringing her, her daughter there and it was just the most fun they could have. And I do think it's worth noting that not to fuel the crowd size conversation, but when Trump came to Nashville, he didn't sell out or they didn't, you know, they didn't fill up right. the auditorium, despite what he said. Uh, there were lots of empty seats, but it sounds like, and you were there, Tyler, you can vouch for this. It sounds like they packed it out with all, was it all 10,000 seats? 8, it was a roughly 8,000 yeah. seat arena. They, they did pack it up, but I would note too that uh, when, when Trump came to Nashville, well, Nashville's a big spot. Um, he carried East Tennessee, especially Upper East Tennessee, 
uh, big time. Like uh, Johnson City is made up of three counties, and they voted for him plus 43, plus 64, plus 55. I mean, he went to a place where he was loved, uh, a good spot here in East Tennessee where you had people from Kentucky and Virginia and North and South Carolina. He had a lot of people come from all over the place. Um, a lot of people don't get to hear the president or see the president speak very often. So he, uh, the location was, was a, uh, was a plus for the president. Yeah. So I think it does serve the base for sure. And this, this can only help Marsha. Tyler, there was also a, um, a fundraiser that he held, I think before the rally, did you hear anything out of that came out of that? I mean, was this, um, you know, a, uh, just kind of rally the base inside like the, the, the heavy donors that are there, or are they, uh, really pumping her up before the, the latest campaign finance, uh, deadlines? I think that'd be accurate. I didn't hear a ton about it. Uh, they were pretty tight-lipped about that. Obviously, it was a pretty expensive fundraiser, similar to Pence's visit here a couple of weeks ago. But um, the big takeaway for me for the rally itself, which, of course, is exciting and, and big and boisterous, and there's a lot of people and lines lined up for a mile or whatever it was, uh, the point that people I talked to are in the party and then people who were Democrat supporters who were there to protest all said that he's going to come and he's going to get the people riled up, and that's that's great. But the key would be the undecided voters, whoever that could be impacted and affected one way or the other. Democrats were pretty excited that Trump came, that this would be the fourth time he or Pence came to the state because they think that means the White House is a little concerned about this race, which, uh, depending on which poll you're looking at, might be a, uh, a fair assessment. Um, but Republicans, too, said, no, it's fine. We'd love to have these guys here. This is politics 101. This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to bring your, your heavy hitters and and they were happy with the turnout, obviously. Tyler, I think you touched upon it. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, undecideds are really going to make or break this election for either candidate. Uh, of course, we're going to continue to keep an eye on if the president eyes another return to Tennessee. He's got uh, just about a month left. It wouldn't shock me if he comes for another, yet another visit uh, to Nashville. Uh, we're going to stay tuned and, and keep an eye on uh, the rest of the race as it shapes up this week. But uh, this is the special edition of Grand Divisions. Uh, thank you again for listening. I'm Joel Ebert. I'm Natalie Allison. I'm Tyler Whetstone. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>